like I should start this with last time on the Away Games podcast. <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> the Cubs are going to lose 108 games this year. What are we going to do? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you told me coming into this year that the most games the Cubs would lose in the regular season was sixty, I would have been thrilled. <laughs> no, I'd be pretty psyched. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> is it possible in this shortened season? Yeah. So this, uh, I guess, we'll just start by saying this is actually the second half of a season preview. The first half was heard on Wednesday at the Away Games podcast, a Cubs centric preview with my friends Kevin and Adam, who are guesting on this episode. But uh, I guess we'll start this one. I wanted to tell you guys a fun little story I heard this week from one of my baseball prospectus colleagues. Um, After I published a story last week about Shohei Otani on baseball prospectus, uh, one of my my colleagues on the website, Russell Carlton, gave me a direct message on Twitter. And I've read his stuff. He's a great writer, but I've never interacted with him before. And he messaged me on Twitter to say, hey, just read the piece. By the way, are you the Ken Schultz who went to Kenyon College and did a senior performance of a show called Love and the Cubs, What Sucks More? <laughs> oh, my God. And I was like, yep, yep, 100%. That, uh, yeah, uh, that was the title of my senior thesis stand-up show at Kenyon back in the day, uh, which is, you know, I couldn't get more me at that Oh, time. my God, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it turns out that uh, one of my BP colleagues, unbeknownst to me, is a Kenyon class of 02, and I'm a class of 2000. So he was there for a show that... I, even, you know, accounting for standard stand-up self-deprecating humor, I'm going to say it was stupidly good and shouldn't have been stupidly good as it was that <laughs> night. Uh, literally one of the highlights of my time at Kenyon. So we got yeah. to talk a little bit uh, and specifically about our time at my favorite liberal arts institution in the world. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned at, uh, at the end of our exchange, uh, and oh, by the way, so... Uh, I don't know if you know this, but my admissions counselor and the one who gave me an admissions interview that led to me going it to Kenyon, Jed Hoyer. Whoa. Yeah. Jed, what? What? Jed, Jed Hoyer worked at Kenyon? Yes. College general manager Jed Hoyer was an admissions counselor at Kenyon College. And as I say, we overlapped. So this was the time that I was enrolled at Kenyon College, <laughs> Jed Hoyer was working <laughs> in Ransom Hall, which, which uh, just completely blew me away. So wow, looking at this just from a purely cinematic standpoint, like the baseball <laughs> highlight of my four years at Kenyon, far and away, was the night the Cubs won the 1998 wildcard playoff game against the Giants. You both remember that well. We talked mm. about it about a month ago on the podcast. And I watched it in the lounge at Pierce Hall, which is our big dining hall on campus, absolutely lost my damn fool mind and then decided <laughs> I need to celebrate like further. So after I left, after I finished watching the post game from the locker room, went from Pierce Hall, put both fists in the air and just ran from one end of campus to the other. Like I was auditioning for a shitty remake of Chariots of Fire. <laughs> and I like to think that there's some other alternate universe where the perfect kind of cinematic moment happens where Jed Hoyer walks along just as Mark Grace catches Joe Carter's <laughs> foul pop fly. And I leap in the air and lose my damn full mind. And Jed Hoyer looks into the lounge at Pierce Hall and goes, 18 years from now, only exponentially better. <laughs> oh my God. That's, I mean, that is an insane thing that, uh, very nice that you got to show Jed Hoyer 
a peek into the enthusiasm that he could inspire one day. Yeah. Uh, and man, uh, I, I bet as, as you ran by with your fists in the air, Jed Hoyer thought in that moment, spanking it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a follow him on Twitter. That's great. What a, what a, like, I, 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 I always refer to those moments as like from the TV series Lost, there'd be flashbacks where two people would walk by each other, but the, like years before they knew each other, you'd be like, oh my God, they were in the same airport. Yeah. Um, and that, what an insane thing that Jed Hoyer was signing people for one of your favorite teams, Kenyon, basically <laughs> recruiting yeah. and signing people there uh, before he got to uh, move on to signing guys like John Lester. You, know? yeah. you, you could say admitting me was maybe practice for the day when he signed Ben Zobrist. Hey, a couple of, and a couple of great choices, you yeah. know. And, and also, uh, I never would have guessed that's what one of his prior professions was, but he does kind of have like the cool admissions counselor vibe, you know what I mean? Like, there was a guy like that at my college who like wore the shit out of a button down, and all the college <laughs> girls thought he was cute, and he was good at his job. Mm-hmm. There's always there's always one of those pretty boys. Yeah. yeah, Hoyer just turns the chair around backwards, straddles it. It's like, how about $155 million, John Lester? I'm pretty sure yeah. Jed Hoyer went to undergrad at a D3 school, too, because he played baseball at, like, I know, Wesleyan or someplace like that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's perfect for a Kenyan career, but also apparently perfect for one of the best jobs of uh, in Major League Baseball, too, now. Oh, that's great. Great, great old school. Uh, what a what a fun story. And also a great job, Kenyon, not only with Hoyer, but getting a couple of good BP writers out. Yeah, uh, yeah, in indeed. Too. Russell uh, Carlton, too. And, and everyone should read that uh, Shohei Otani piece you wrote, too. Great stuff. Thanks, man. Yeah, that, that was a kick to research. And I got to write about not just Otani, but Bullet Rogan and Martin Diego, who is far and away my favorite player, who I know almost next to nothing about, but Negro League standouts like that. They're, just getting to learn more about that is, is such a cool thing. Beautiful. And uh, that's not why you called, though, here. Because, uh, yeah, we got, like, actual present-day baseball to talk about here on the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsports Baseball Podcast, episode number 36, the Gaylord Perry, speaking of baseball players, episode of the Three Strikes You're Out podcast. Uh, the other voices you are hearing right now, you are used to hearing on this podcast because you are essentially – the Larry, my brother Daryl, and my other brother Daryl of the Three Strikes You're Out podcast, Adam Amawala and Kevin McCaffrey from the Away Games podcast. I've said about podcast about 20 times in this past in this run-on sentence here. So Well, you've referred to it, but it's been referencing two different podcasts and yeah. a two-part podcast. So there's a it makes a lot it makes a lot of sense. There really is no synonym for podcast, is there at this point yet? You you'd think we'd invent one so it would make it easier on podcast hosts, but I just said it again. So like, <laughs> yeah. I can do a Python sketch at this point. Oh, I said it again. <laughs> uh, so uh, we are talking like actual 2020 baseball, gentlemen, as we just finished up on yours. And now we're talking about general baseball subjects. Uh, and my opening question to you uh, kind of related to what we talked about in yours. But I want to know when you were watching the Cubs play their exhibition from Wrigley Field this week, like what were you feeling as you were going through that? Was, was there anything different that kind of stood out to you? And it's it, when you, that you noticed that you were feeling watching these games. I mean, I guess I felt less weird than I thought I would feel watching the empty stadium games. It's, you know, I think it's, we've all felt conflicted about the season starting or going ahead in general, I think, you know, just like, should it be probably not a lot of things shouldn't be happening, but if they can do it safely, I want it of course, selfishly. 
Um, and I think, you know, with, with the stands having no fans and stuff, I thought, I, I guess I thought it would be weirder than, than it was. I just felt very glad to have it here and am very ready for games to count, you know? That, that sounds very good and positive. Adam, same kind of deal or different? Um, a little different. I think I felt, I, I, I feel myself actively trying to prevent myself from getting invested and it's not a conscious thing, but it's like, I just met an awesome girl, but she told me she's like moving away at the end of the summer. Like there's a part of me that's like, am I going to like, should I get invested in something that might not go anywhere? Um, because of my concerns around what's going to happen with the season, I guess if anything, I felt not as excited as I thought I might, but I think that has more to do with the fact that I've been following all of these scrimmages so closely that it didn't feel like the first time I was watching a baseball game. Sure. Um, and the fact that it was preseason, even if it's in July, it still felt kind of like watching a preseason game, which is like, I have these notions in March usually where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to sit down and like watch a full spring training game. And then an hour into it, I'm like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. This is not that fun. Um, right. Why is one number 143 playing shortstop? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Daniel Descalso um, doesn't wear 143. <laughs> yeah, well, he number should. One, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the one, the one thing I will say is that the I, I like the I like the crowd noise being pumped in. I think it would be mm-hmm. very, very even stranger than it already is without it. Um, I do wish they would go with the cardboard cutouts because when I've watched clips from the Mets games at City Field where, where they have them, just visually it helps. Like, I'm not an idiot. I know that they're not real people. <laughs> but we've gotten so used to seeing fans behind home plate that it's a little jarring to not see that and just see, like, one guy with a radar gun. So um, I, I, that's the one thing that I would say I felt like I missed out on watching a game in these bizarre uh, circumstances. I would say that I would much rather sit next to a cardboard cutout from a Mets fan than 99% of all Mets fans. <laughs> sure. Uh, and I'm not saying I still wouldn't get in a fight with one. I can't, I believe <laughs> that I could, but it would be easier to win. Certainly. <laughs> and I, I am also almost hundred percent positive that they're going to figure out a way to make the cardboard cutouts in St. Louis chant all lives matter. <laughs> yeah. Why is there an officer Darren Wilson cut out? In this <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. And why yeah. is he in the yeah, I, I, I will say a, a cardboard cutout of a Mets fan uh, has never called me a homophobic slur for wearing a jersey. That was my crime. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. They'll, they'll but yeah. Out, again, they'll figure out a way, I think, just to make it more realistic for the players, they'll say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joanna Cespedes can't hit unless you hear homophobic slurs. <laughs> um, yeah. So your reaction, Adam, is actually closer to mine because it was it was a very turned out very complex feeling watching that that game on Sunday night from Wrigley Field because I had the expected sense of oh my god baseball back at Wrigley Field the place it should be this is great but at about an inning or two in I also noticed that I couldn't help but over I, I couldn't overcome this this sense of almost melancholy that had kind of set in that it, it wasn't overpowering because it was still really good. And obviously I watched the entire game, but it, it was definitely there to the point where I kind of had to almost step back and go, yeah, geez, I, I am feeling it a little bit here. And I, I think part of that is seeing obviously a baseball game played out that looked relatively normal, but against the backdrop of just nothing but empty seats at Wrigley field, there was that sense of, yeah, regardless of how fun it is to see these guys back, we can't escape 2020 here. Like it, it's right there in front of you. And 
And that's kind of, I guess, part of the obstacles that the players are having to deal with too, is, is regardless of how much they can lose themselves in the competitive feeling of the moment, 2020 is always going to be looming over every one of their shoulders, especially because they're the ones putting their health at risk and they're the ones putting their, their livelihoods in the line here for us. Um, and I guess jumping off that point, uh, my first question to you is, are we going to see them finish the season here this year? Um, I guess I'll, I'll jump in first because I was kind of uh, alluding to it. Um, I actually, I'm going to give you a yes, um, but I, it's not because I don't think there will be issues. Um, it's not out of optimism for how we handle COVID either. It's purely because I think MLB will do everything humanly possible to get through this season. So I, in my mind, I tend to think that the regular season may be less of an issue than the postseason where you're not only, you know, entering regular flu season, but now we have teams traveling farther than they had been before. Um, you know, needless to say, I don't think we're looking at a Marlins, D-backs, NLCS, but in a world where we were, that could be a real issue. So um, I actually do think they'll somehow get it done, but uh, I, I don't know if, <laughs> if, that, if that should happen. The baseball season could be saved by the shittiness of the Marlins, which is the first time I've said that in quite a while. <laughs> Kevin, do you think they're going to be able to finish the season this year? I think they will, whether they should or not, really. I think they've just gotten to the point where they're going to charge through and make it work um, regardless, you know. Uh, I think it's going to get really weird in the last few weeks of the season because teams are going to be out of contention and players are going to be dropping, and then it's going to be – a situation where like a I feel like a third of the teams in the league are going to be made up of only the back half of September rosters, you know, where it's, it's just going to be really strange and uh, sort of the, like, I think what teams are playing teams that are already out of it is going to have a huge say in who makes the playoffs at the end uh, as players opt out more, just get quote unquote injured, whatever. So I, I think the season will finish, but it's going to be, it's going to be a weirder finish than it even is the beginning, I guess. So Ian Miller, Cubs MVP in September? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Justin Steele, our, our boy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. M Mr. Steele, your trophy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. Uh, so let's, let's transition from that decidedly not fun subject to one that is much more fun to talk about when we think about 2020. Because it's a 60-game season, you know, predictions are essentially a crapshoot in a fool's game at this point. So instead of heading directly into division predictions and playoff predictions, I want to hear what is the most batshit weird storyline you'd like to see happen in a 60-game season? Like, what would you be rooting for? Ooh, hmm. good question. Uh, I can give you an Adam, example if you need a second. Go ahead. Yeah, you can yeah, no, you I, go first. So, I, I, I have one, but uh, feel free to go ahead, Ken, if, you, if yeah. you have one. So what I want most to happen this year is we know that the Toronto Blue Jays just got kicked out of Canada, which you're not doing <laughs> well if an entire country says, nah, we'd rather not have you play baseball. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so what I want to happen this year is the rumor to come true and have the Blue Jays relocate their home games to PNC Park. And then I want the Toronto Blue Jays to win the World Series by defeating the Pittsburgh Pirates in seven. <laughs> that, would be, that would be great and supremely weird. Seven games played in the same stadium yep. with teams uh, home and away in it. That, uh, oh, yeah. Yes. That's, that's great. 
I think I completely missed that that was something that was even proposed. Wouldn't that cause more risk for two teams to be sharing the same stadium? You would facilities? think, right? Especially because someone on Twitter pointed this out. I forget who, but uh, the Blue Jays are in the AL East, which means they're traveling to Florida and back a few times. The Pirates yeah. are in the Central. They're not. But that means that presumably if they were to share a ballpark, all the Central teams then might be exposed to a locker room being shared with a team that travels to Florida, which hmm. is not good in terms of wanting to finish the season. Yeah, it's for sure actively worse. It's just the thing is Canada is literally not letting teams in. And you understand why when they have, they have 300 new cases a day and we have tens and tens of thousands of new <laughs> cases a day, uh, literally. So, I mean, you from a public safety standpoint, I think you understand why. But yeah, it's definitely not. Not ideal. And then the other thing they talked about, the Blue Jays playing in Buffalo, uh, perhaps as well, um, which, you know, is probably safer, but also isn't a major league ballpark. So that's yeah, a, plus that playing, was, out, playing outdoors in Buffalo in mid-October would be perfect. So that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Um, that's, that's a great bad shit crazy. Uh, I want literally every division to end in some sort of tie at the top. Yes. I want a, I want a last day. I want just a complete uh, insane March madness round Robin of a uh, of single elimination games in every single division. And for all the wild cards uh, with the 60 game season, a higher uh, percentage chance that that can happen. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm rooting for. Every division turns into the last day of 2011. Love it. Yes. Exactly. Oh yeah. Except um, Cardinals to make the playoffs. Sorry. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> yes. My prediction, uh, it's not quite as batshit crazy, but I think it would be very interesting if we have some sort of heroic Willis Reed sort of situation where somebody has tested positive, let's say in like the first week of September, uh, has to sit out for most of the last month of the season, and then with a week left comes back and carries a team into the playoffs. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be a story. I mean, that would be, a, yeah. I mean, that'd be a story and may, maybe the most likely out of all these things. Yeah. And yeah. It's not, it's not as far out of the realm of, of possibility, but it's something that I thought of. I mean, a version of that and not maybe as dramatic as all that, but if Freddie Freeman goes off and has like an MVP caliber two months, that's someone coming directly from one of the worst cases of COVID-19 of any, anybody who's tested mm -hmm. positive has had. Uh, and then if, if he were to perform like that's something that would go down in baseball history. Yep. Although uh, even even just kind of discussing that off the top of my head makes me think, Jesus, is 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 that what we would get out of that? That uh, you would have a really good on-field story from someone who just lived through COVID nineteen. That that still, I mean, still, unfortunately, COVID nineteen should be the headline of that, and, and right. that goes back to being unable to escape twenty twenty. So. Yeah. And it just, I mean, we're, we're hearing more and more names every day who are getting it. And then it's thankfully mostly been milder cases in the, in the major leagues, you know, Yasiel Puig, obviously, uh, just tested Moncada was a guy who, who had it as well. Um, but yeah, it's just, I mean, it's knock on wood, but the, the, our, our favorite team, the Cubs have stayed relatively untouched by this so far. Um, but you know, partially that's because they're doing, they've, I guess, been doing the right thing, but also it's a lot of luck with this. You know, it's not, it's not just, you, you, you can't stay safe just by doing the right thing. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, it just helps. And the yeah, club, and because Tommy Hadaby did the right thing. That's the, the right. And, and he got 
a case of it as bad as Freddie Freeman did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and not not to get too too bleak on a, a podcast that is meant to be fun, but one of the things that scares me most about the baseball season and, and sports starting in general is that I'm kind of afraid that it's going to take a high profile buying to get people to wake the fuck up. Mm -hmm. And it really, really frightens me that that might happen because there have been plenty of stories that we all have heard about, you know, so such and such nurse who was 28 died and people read that and somehow are able to compartmentalize that as like, Oh, that's not going to happen to me. But when, if it were to happen to, to an athlete, or, or somebody who's clearly in peak physical condition and did everything right and it still, you know, happened or, or they had a really severe case of it, I would love nothing more than for that to not happen to anyone. But that is definitely one of the, the things that I'm worried about. Even in hearing about Freeman having a, you know, 104.5 yeah. fever and praying for his life. I mean, that's not something that you expect a world-class athlete to experience. Yeah, I, I mean, it took Tom Hanks getting diagnosed with COVID-19 to get anyone to take it seriously in the first place. So... Yeah, yeah, I mean that—that's a really frightening thought, but it's certainly not out of the realm of conceivability, given what we know about the way the nation has responded to to this, and how so many of us have just decided that we're going to continue living as if we've already overcome it. Uh, yeah. TLDR: We don't blame Canada for not wanting the Blue Jays there. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Uh, yeah. yeah, man, this podcast is turning into a Cure album, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's okay. I mean, I, as I say, this is, we're being realistic about what's going on yeah. here. And, and you can't escape what's going on in, in the real world. Uh, I'll try to introduce another semi-frivolous thing to discuss, but do you think anyone's going to hit 400 this year? I think, uh, no, but I think it's a great fun. I think that's the best statistical weirdness for us to look out for. Yes. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, you don't, Part of me doesn't want it to happen because I don't want the 400 streak to be broken in, in that way. But it's also just, it, it's, it, you're not going to get the home run chase, obviously. The counting stats can't happen in the same way. It saves, wins, home runs, RBIs, whatever, stolen bases. But uh, the rate things, we could get like a really weird ERA. A starter could end the year under zero, or under a one, excuse me. Um, under zero would be great, but um, <laughs> the but yeah, four hundred. I'll say, and I don't even know how to pronounce his name right, but my my pick for it would be Minnesota's Luis Arias. Is that how it's pronounced? <laughs> oh God, I that you're really I don't even know there. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think I know much about Luis in, in Minnesota. Like, uh, I I would have yeah. gone for the the uh, what's the guy the El Tortuga, the guy that they call the turtle, who just oh w uh, Wilmer. Yeah. Williams Astudio? Astudio, yes. Yeah, Williams Astudio. Elite contact skill. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would say my, my answer to that, Ken, is also I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, part of the reason for that is if you look at last year's numbers, Tim Anderson led the league with a 335 batting average. So it's not as if we've got people who are like scratching the surface of 400. Um, now, of course, the, the chance for statistical oddity is much higher. Um, I think it's I would be I would be willing to bet money that a player will finish above 350. I don't think that's even a, a debate. Yeah. Um, if anyone's going to hit 400, I say maybe Altuve if they pipe in trash can sounds. Um, <laughs> yeah, he thing, just feels really inspired. <laughs> one thing that would be really cool is if somebody breaks DiMaggio's streak by just getting a hit every game of the short season. Oh yeah! Oh, I love that. 
That's a great prediction. Oh, I love yes, it. That that's that's my might be my favorite prediction we've had so far, honestly, because also it sticks it to Joe D, that son of a bitch. So love it. <laughs> yeah. Overrated and a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> let, let me let me tell you guys, I just did some quick research. Cody Bellinger was hitting 404, uh, 49 games into last season. Oh, love yeah. So, yeah. Kobe Bellinger would have come very close. I remembered he was close. So, uh, yeah, I so 49 games. And so six. he ended up would have ended up hitting 376 um, last year. But he was hitting 400 that deep into the season last year. And my guy, Luis Arreyes, uh, the second, base, second baseman in Minnesota, he uh, ended up hitting uh, 334 last year. Another insane contact guy. Nice. Uh, so that's why my, my call uh, was for that. I, I love that. And I would love it the most, honestly, if like a Luis Arias broke DiMaggio's streak in the midst of hitting 400. And on, uh, uh, on number 57, once that base hit landed in the outfield, they gave him the microphone and he turned to the crowd and said, this one's from Maryland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, uh, in terms of weird predictions for the year, Marilyn Monroe gets a shout out 57 games into uh, <laughs> the year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say, it's, yeah, I, Adam's reasoning behind it is, is my reasoning too, that I, I don't think anyone is going to hit 400 be, because especially this year, it's going to be such a heavy bullpen oriented game. And we know so many guys come out throwing 90, 98, 99, 100 that it just makes it too difficult for even, even the contact hitters to get that, that, pre, that kind of frequency of base hits. Uh, but if someone's going to do it, yeah, I'll say Joey Votto, just because it, it seems Great. Like it would make sense. The guy that loves Ted Williams the most among modern-day ball players. Let's, let's give him the 400. I'm into it. Love it. And uh, kind of on a similar subject, whoever wins MVP or Cy Young this year, and feel free to submit your picks for this one too, are those going to be viewed as legit MVPs and Cy Youngs when we look back at it, say, 10, 20 years from now? I feel like, I mean, yes. I think, I think, they, I think, they, I think 20 years from now, more yes than 10 years from now, if that makes sense. I think uh, as time goes on, you know, you don't think of, I don't think people think of the MVPs from the granted less shortened seasons as less, you know, Bagwell and Frank Thomas, I believe in 94, like, I, I don't think you think of those as less meaningful and granted that it was more of a season then, but it's sort of like, you know, I, it, whatever team wins the world series this year, beat the same amount of teams to win. So it's, yeah, it's a shorter season. And I think there is something that, is less authentically baseball about a shorter season because what I one thing I love about baseball is how friggin' long it is and how that works out all the anomalies to usually hopefully get you somewhere near the best team winning except for '97 and 2003 I'll say off the top of my head <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I think um, so I, I, do, I do think the uh, that they will be looked on as as legit awards. I, I have a counterpoint to that very argument, though, uh, and that is, you know, you talk about 1994 and Bagwell and Frank Thomas won the MVP. I think part of the reason that people don't look back on it differently is because those are extremely high-profile Hall of Fame caliber players anyway. So sure. in my mind, I think if a player wins who is 
part of that conversation ordinarily. So mm-hmm. if Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw are winning MVPs and Cy Youngs, of course nobody's going to say, well, that's strange. But if just for the sure. sake of having fun as Cubs fans, Jose Quintana is the Cy Young and Ian Happ is the MVP because they had an amazing two months, I, I think people are going to look at it as being not legitimate because it's essentially a glorified player of the month. It's just now player of two months. Yeah. It's like when a weird guy makes an all-star game for a great first half or uh, in the uh, just to, it's a cross court reference, but in the strike short in 1982 NFL season, a kicker won the MVP. Okay. So yeah, Mark Mosley won the NFL MVP in 1982, uh, which is dumb. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's like uh, a defensive replacement isn't going to win the MVP uh, for in baseball this year, but yeah. So uh, that, 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 that's interesting because that, that I was kind of going to jump off both of your points with that then because in 1981, the MVPs were Mike Schmidt, which I mean, that's always legit whenever he wins MVP. And sure. uh, would you care to hazard a guess who would the American League MVP that year would have been? I can give you Ooh. a He's a Hall of Famer. 81. Alan Trammell. Good guess, but no. Uh, Reggie Jackson. It's not that. Yeah, again, it's appropriate for the era, but also no. Uh, Raleigh right. Fingers. Raleigh Fingers. Mm, so okay, yeah. so a pitcher. I did think this would be a season. I think it does lend itself more to a season where a pitcher could win. Yeah, not just a pitcher, but a relief pitcher too. And granted, this was an era where we didn't have obviously WAR as a measure, so we didn't know how much less relievers contributed than starters did to right. winning uh, games throughout the course of the season. But nonetheless, uh, you have someone who, on the one hand, is a legit Hall of Famer, like upper, upper echelon in terms of greatest reliever, relievers of all time, but still a relief pitcher winning an MVP. So to, that's kind of what Adam was getting at earlier in terms of someone just had a really solid two-thirds of a season in 81 and right. only pitching a couple innings at a time, and yet that was enough to – have the writers anoint him the best player in the game so that could also also be looked as something of a gimmick war which is which is kind of a mind fuck when you think about it (laughs) absolutely and some of that weirdness is why my my pick for al mvp this year is shohei otani because i think shohei could put put together a weird like the dream of his two-way uh of the two-way excellence of shohei otani i think is easier to complete in a shortened season like this and uh and could be you know fun and weird Sunday starts and hitting every other day yeah and I will do another piece for BP on Shohei Otani if he wins just as a way of saying <laughs> how come Martin Diego never won an MVP <laughs> I still demand to know <laughs> we want justice <laughs> Adam do you have an MVP pick um no I didn't I didn't actually give too much thought to that um entirely fair honestly yeah. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say Mike Trout just because why wouldn't you say Mike Trout right yeah. Yeah. I know I, some people, uh, I heard um, some fantasy baseball podcasts, peop, uh, people saying Mike Trout maybe shouldn't be the top pick in o- overall in fantasy sports because he might miss a week around the birth of his child. And it's like, yeah, everyone might miss a week for every yeah. reason, especially yeah. this year. So I think the best guy is still the best guy to probably. Only only Pete Rose would bet on this baseball season. (laughs) (laughs) Pete Rose, I mean, I have 
and I've technically already been on this baseball season. So I, I am the, that's the only way I am with Pete Rose. Another <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> I, I, I hope you pay your taxes, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do too much. Uh, yeah. So let's, I, again, kind of having more fun than just kind of regular uh, playoff predictions. Give me a team that in an ordinary year would just be the dregs of baseball, but what would be the team that might sneak in to the playoffs in a 60 game season in your mind? Um, there, there might be some recency bias, but I actually think the White Sox have a, have a shot. It's a good call. The White Sox were the first team that came to mind too. I think that's uh, I think that's a third place team if you play 162 games, but it's enough young guys who can get hot and a really talented team. I mean, they're also a really fun roster, uh, you know, top to bottom. So I think the White Sox are are a good pick, pick there. Um, and by the same token, I would say maybe uh, if I'm going off the White Sox, I'll say the I'll say the weird Toronto Blue Jays. Wherever yes. they play, they have like a Funky. They have like a, a bunch of young, weird dudes who are good. Vlad, I mean, every all their dads are major league baseball players. You know, Kevin Biggio uh, <laughs> at second. You've got uh, Bo Bichette and Vlad Jr. around the infield. It's just all got. You know, we, we had baseball dads in the '90s, and that's the Blue Jays now. Um, so, and they've got and they've got some fun, weird pitchers too. So I'd say that. Can I submit the Blue Jays winning the World Series on a bottom of the ninth home run by Joe Carter Jr.? <laughs> yes, you absolutely may submit that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he doesn't exist, but in 2020, <laughs> why not? Sure. Who uh, do you got? Who? Yeah, how about you, Ken? Would the Angels be considered a team that ordinary years would be nah, but this year maybe? I, I feel like the, I feel like the Angels are like the Gonzaga of baseball, yeah. where like everyone acts like it's this surprising pick, but everyone ends up picking them a lot every year anyway. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, and, and the, yeah, never quite make it regardless. Right. Exactly, but I think the Angels too, because I think the in terms of uh, potential for a collapse. I would not be surprised to see the Astros, who are still very good, collapse. The A's are very good, and the uh, the A's are very good, and the Angels have a really good lineup. Uh, really, the, the the main worry there is just starting pitching depth, and that is a thing that, you know, Madden's over there, and I I, I think we're all Joe Madden believers, and I think he could uh, his creativity is a good fit there, and they could end up piecing together enough in that uh, between bullpen and starting rotation and shortened season to give them a real chance. And yeah. they have, you know, with guys like Otani and Trout and Rendon, and yeah. it's a, they've got some real, real high-end uh, talent there. Yeah, I mean, And, I mean, and that, I'll do – sorry, go ahead, Ken. That is, in terms of a, a middle of the order, you're not going to do much better than that anywhere in baseball. Are they no. – to call up Joe Adele at some point this year? Or? Yeah, Joe Adele, who's a, yeah, a top five overall prospect, outfielder, big power – big athleticism joe adele's there too and you know guys like justin upton can still run into some stuff yeah. too. yeah so if if he's anywhere close to legit i mean that's that's four that you have to work around in the middle of that and in 60 games yeah maybe that's enough yeah and i was just gonna say i'll, I'll do respect to, to david ross who I, I do think will be a good manager i cannot think of a better person to lead a group of baseball players through a chaotic and bizarre situation than joe madden yes and someone who would want to be the guy who the media goes to every day to talk about sometimes important things. And let's be honest, sometimes says some really shitty stuff when it comes to important issues. Just Google. Surprisingly bad. 
yeah, yeah. Google Joe Madden, Addison Russell, for instances of that. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah. for the most part, going to take any pressure off the players you would think to have to be the ones to communicate to the media. And and as we've seen in previous seasons, uh, sometimes that's that's the best thing a manager can do to a locker room. And that and that team specifically is a group of dudes who don't really enjoy talking to the media. You know, think <laughs> about the stars they have there. Mike Trout would like to tell the media what the weather is, and that's about <laughs> it. You know, uh, or talk about the Eagles uh, and Carson Wentz. Those are the things Trout likes talking about, and that's really about it. Shohei Otani seems like a super cool, interesting guy, but he's not talking to the media a lot. And mm -hmm. Rendon, we I think, is one of those dudes who you know he, it's you talk about him like oh underrated star you don't hear about but then you assume he's cool and then you learn anything about him it's like oh he kind of sucks yeah. so i mean like <laughs> but he's quiet enough for people to just assume decent things about him um so i think in that way madden is a is the perfect guy to take all the media heat so i think angels are a good pick there yeah trout wants to talk about the weather rendon wants to talk about his maca hat Yes, exactly. And now the weather is a conspiracy of uh, <laughs> some, some uh, left wing, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do we want to try like legit playoff predictions here and in, in this kind of folly of a 60 game season here? Do you want to let's like, you know, why yeah. not? Yeah. Why not? Uh, let's do, do you want to go through divisions or just cut it to like the, the pennant and world series? I wrote down division winners. I didn't. I didn't go so far as to write down like who the matchups would be. Uh, I mean, I could do it off the cuff. It's not that hard. Yeah, hell, let's, yeah. Let's do. Yeah, let's name all the playoff teams, and then right. uh, and then who we got. Who we got win, uh, meeting in the World Series, and then all right. Okay. Well, as we talked about on the away games podcast, we're all still pretty bullish on the Cubs winning the Central this year. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Do you, uh, their opponents from the East and West? Do we want to go with that? Sure, I'll tell. Yeah, I'll tell you my uh, my East winner is the New York Mets. Ooh, wow! Going, Ooh, the, the New cardboard York Mets fans are going to go nuts. Mm -hmm. I've got, I, I think the Mets lineup is good. Uh, is 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 really good top to bottom, and obviously they don't have Syndergaard, but uh, I think they still have enough pitching, and uh, the bullpen could bounce back. So I've got the Mets in the East, the Dodgers in the West. Uh, so yeah, for the those two divisions. I will, I will go Dodgers, and I will say the Nats out of the East with Scherzer and Strasburg starting 40% of the games in a 60-game season. Yeah, I'll take that. I also have Dodgers and Nats, uh, and the, the big reason I have the Nats is that the thing that killed the 2017 Cubs was being fucking exhausted playing a, a full season, and the Nats have gotten to avoid that after yeah. having won a World Series. Yes, that's, very that's, a really good, that's a very good call, yeah. Um, I think the Nats are a good. I think for my wild cards in the National League, um, I'm I'm leaning leaning into just like making let's make some weird picks in a short season. So I have the Phillies taking a wild card in the East, and uh, it sort of pains me not because I dislike the team, but because I don't like agreeing with Jesse Rogers uh, <laughs> lately. But the the Reds for the wild card in the in the Central, so Phillies and Reds. I, I'm going to go Reds as well, uh, just kind of hoping to get Joey Votto in the playoffs again, honestly. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go with the Braves. I I am also uh, very – actually, Ken and I have the exact same picks for the NL. Uh, I am also drinking the Big Red Kool-Aid, <laughs> and uh, I, I have Reds and Braves. In, in uh, 2020, drinking the Big Red Kool-Aid, probably okay. <laughs> uh, 
around the time I was born in 1978 in Jonestown, not so much. <laughs> yes, it's a big, big year for Kool-Aid. I, I must uh, that just to find one year that might have been even worse than 2020 in one specific category, and that's it. <laughs> uh, all right, let's do let's do American League playoff teams, uh, division winners. I'll I'll say uh, Yankees, Twins, and A's. I will go Yankees. I will go, yeah, I'll go with the A's, and I will go Indians, or Cleveland Baseball Club, as I should probably refer sure. to, to referring to them. I, and, I, and I chose to take some swings here. Uh, I went with the Yankees, so not, not anything uh, groundbreaking on that. But I am going for the shortened season White Sox mm. to win the Central and for the Angels to win the West. Nice. Uh, wild cards? I will go, I'll go White Sox Angels on that one. That makes sense. I got Angels and Rays. And I've got Rays Twins. Nice. Go, do you, Matt, Matt, one of us has the Astros in the playoffs? Is oh, Jesus, yeah. No. And part of it, I think, is because did you hear the, or did you read the thing the other day that they're trying to work on some app that allows people to like type in what their reaction is and then they'll link that to the actual stadium? So theoretically, we can still boo the Astros <laughs> even with no fans there? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Yes, that's funny. You say this. Yeah, I'm not putting it past the Astros to try to uh, fuck with everyone's COVID results and disqualify every other team. I think they would, uh, <laughs> you know, they they their forward thinking front office might uh, go that far. But um, yeah, I'm leaving the Astros out partially because of spite and because I also like the storyline of if they lose three of their first four, a lot of uh, cheating dudes will, uh, could get very nervous. And it's still humans playing this game. They're a good yeah. team, but uh, I could see I could really enjoy an Astros collapse this year. Oh, it would it would nothing would make me happier than seeing them miss the playoffs. And the other thing that I was thinking about, and and sorry if I'm jumping ahead here, is that if the Cubs don't win the World Series, I would really like to see the Dodgers win because that is the one team who nobody should be saying any sort of bullshit about. Oh, they won in an illegitimate year because they already should have won in a year that we now know was illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost like, like uh, it would almost yeah exactly it would be some sort of like retribution in some in some weird sort of way um for the dodgers to at least get get a ring albeit a strange one mm-hmm. in a in a season that people will look at as being strange uh knowing what we know now about 17 yeah and it yeah. would be nice to see clayton kershaw get a ring uh, any year obviously but especially in a year where he's become woke yeah, absolutely. And taking uh, and listen to his teammates who told him that. Uh, and I think he honestly, Clayton Kershaw, I think, seems to be a decent dude and uh, experienced something that I mean, you know, we're Ken and I are full white dudes. <laughs> Adam's got a white mom. I think as white guys, like I have wondered, like, you know, I, like I don't want I, I wondered how much I should be speaking up. And I think that's something that Clayton Kershaw dealt with was he didn't, he wasn't sure how much his voice should be heard. And then his teammates told him, we need you speaking right now. And then he has started taking a leadership role that way. So I think his whole process here to me is certainly like relatable and something I've struggled with uh, as, as a non Clayton Kershaw figure <laughs> on earth. But um, I think is it's been cool to see uh, his development there and yeah, I would love to see him get a ring. Yeah, that, that's an interesting combination of forces coming into play there because Clayton Kershaw's both veteran status and status as one of the elite pitchers of all time makes him such an influential figure in the game that I think that's why a lot of his teammates said, yeah, we need you to talk about this. 
because your words really matter based on the way baseball culture treats both veterans and eventual future Hall of Famers and perhaps goats even. Uh, and so, on the other is, is Clayton Kershaw coming at it from what appears to be a very genuine place of saying, yeah, I understand that as a very privileged white man who grew up in the suburbs of Dallas and is paid to be as a baseball star, it's my job to listen right now and to listen and learn about what needs to happen. And uh, so it's, it's kind of him trying to, I guess, combine the best of both worlds in that and learning as much as he can from, say, teammates like a Mookie Betts, and then also mm -hmm. kind of using his platform and his status in the game to try to amplify not just Betts, but obviously the voices of black teammates who might not be as, as well-known as Betts would be. And that, that's doing, obviously, great stuff. Yeah, and I and I I don't particularly have love for the Dodgers in general as a as a team, but uh, I'll say my World Series pick is Dodgers and A's, and the Dodgers winning. Hmm. I'm going for a repeat of the uh, also short season '81 World Series of Dodgers Yankees, and I'm going with the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I kind of am inclined to to go with the same thing, which feels. I feel like if there's ever a year to just pick an oddball World Series, this is the year. Um, but I do still think that great teams are great teams. And especially to Kevin's point earlier, once you get to the playoffs, the playoffs are still formatted exactly the same. So, yeah. you know, once I think once you get past that first round where or wild card round, obviously, where strange things happen, even in completely normal circumstances, um, uh, I, I, it's hard to it's hard to really think of teams better than the Dodgers or Yankees in in either league. Yeah, and uh, having said that, Cubs absolutely. Cubs win the World Series. <laughs> I, I think the fact that uh, none of us are picking the Cubs to win it all this year, given our track record for years where all of us have picked the Cubs to win it all, means that yeah, we got a good shot at uh, celebrating a 2020 World Series at Wrigley Field. Damn. No parade though, please no parade. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> virtual parade we can get travis wood on zoom taking his shirt off in years <laughs> and that would be fine and and somehow if they hold a virtual parade i bet five million people will still show up for it yeah man what a chaotic window that would be <laughs> <laughs> the cubs finally shut zoom down after so many months on top yes. uh, kevin and adam anything you'd like to plug while i got you here I mean, the only thing I would plug is people like listening to us talk about baseball. You can listen to Adam and I do it. Uh, we talk baseball in general, but mostly in a Cubs-centric way on our Cubs podcast, Away Games. You can follow us at Away Games Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and we uh, have new episodes out every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, and it's pretty much a must-listen if you're a Cub fan at this point. Uh, and, yeah, uh, let us hope that we have two solid regular season months of baseball to talk about and then a solid postseason, and if we get to the end, Man, are we going to feel fortunate, honestly, at this point. Oh, yeah. totally. Um, yeah, so I uh, for plugging things, I, obviously, away games. Um, we interviewed six players during the, during the very bizarre quarantine times, and uh, they're all really interesting, but, but some are particularly interesting. Rob Zestrisny, a uh, pitcher for the Cubs, um, spoke to us for like an hour. He, I think he was interviewing us at, at one point. Um, yeah. Awesome guy. So definitely check those interviews out. We have all, all the links on our Twitter. Uh, and then I also co-host a basketball podcast where the whole idea is like, let's make basketball fun for people who are not big sports fans. Uh, and that's called Horse Hoops. Uh, I believe that is at Horse Hoops on Instagram. And I think Horse underscore Hoops on Twitter, but it's not too hard to find. Awesome. And uh, I can further plug uh, this Disney episode was phenomenal. And also the Taylor Davis episode. That was an interview where yes. just sitting back and listening and you realize, 
yeah, this is why literally everybody in baseball thinks he's fun. Yeah, just a fun, cool guy, uh, interesting stories, and just a, a good vibe. And we're, we're always rooting for Taylor Davis, who I believe is still with uh, Baltimore as we speak. So go, go Taylor. Yes. I mean, he was literally wearing tie-dye when we spoke to him. That's ah. like the inter- international <laughs> symbol for fun. <laughs> I, I'd expect nothing less. Wearing tie-dye and giving you the stare would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and cool. Kevin and Adam, everybody in baseball should think you guys are fun as well. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> Thanks for Thank having me. Thank you, Kevin. That was fun.